You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. I want you to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 2. We're going through a series in the book of Romans. We are preaching expositionally through this wonderful epistle. Look at verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, O man, who judge those practicing such things, anybody, Jew or Gentile, doing the same thing that you will escape the judgment of God? The answer is no. Or do you despise the riches and the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance, but in accordance with the hardness of your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath and the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgments of God. Now, here is our text. Verse 2 and then verse 6 starts our text in specific. These are the verses we're going to cover today. God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Some of you, maybe in your heart, if you really list that verse, gasped, if not out loud in your heart. God is going to render to each one of everybody in this room according to your deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory, honor, peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Are you listening? For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these although not having the law are a law to themselves. Who show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In a day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. I'm going to tell you something that you may not understand or know or have thought about, but let me tell you something. Every judgment of God is according to works. Every judgment of God is according to deeds. Now, maybe you're a visitor here and you don't understand what we believe and what we've taught around here, but that almost goes against the very fundamentals of what we teach as salvation. And I would say before you send the deacons up here to cast me out, that you wait to the end of the message. 
But I want to tell you something before I start. You've got to understand what Paul is doing. He starts in chapter 1 and he says, You wicked people, you're going to be judged according to your works. You moral people, who do you think you are? You are wicked. You are sinful and God is going to judge you and you're going to get eternal damnation also. And he's going to turn to the Jew and he's going to say that you are guilty. You had the law, you had all these things and still you live in your wickedness. And Paul is... Is not going to let anybody have a breath until chapter 3, verse 21. So you must understand that he is trying to get you to see what you would be and what hope you have if it had not been for the cross. You would have no hope. And people take these verses and they want to teach salvation by works. Because that's what it kind of does. If you just took these verses we just read, you would have to say God is going to determine heaven and hell by the works of your heart, hands, feet, eyes, mouth, ear, whatever. You'd have to say that. But some people in defending that they believe that salvation is by works, but why are you so happy about that? It condemns you to hell. Because you are who he's talking about. You are who he's talking about. Uh, Joel Hemphill wrote a song, a kind of tongue-in-cheek song about that story. He said, The old king gave a party, brought the vessels of the Lord, and they drank till nobody there was sober. But what really stopped the band was when God sent a hand and wrote upon the wall, The party's over. Go and tell the world the party's over. Get your house in order for the coming of the sun. The good news is that when the party's over for the world, celebration for the saints has just begun. I like that. It gives us a little too much hope beforehand because I really want to capture you in what these verses are saying. But God, we can say, yeah, oh, Belshazzar, how dare you take the vessels of God? How dare you use it for your drunken orgies? How dare you, and which is what he's doing, how dare you use the holy vessels of God and, and God get him, God get him. But I want to tell you, there's a judgment day for you too. There's a judgment day for me too. Our text gives three standards. We read, we read about God's merciless, swift judgment of the Old Testament. But what we must know is God's willingness and standard of judgment, listen to me, has not changed. Nahum 1 says, He will not at all acquit the wicked. Our text gives three standards of God's judgment. Would you please just listen to me? Hear me out this morning. These verses give us three standards of God's judgment. Number one, verse two tells us that God's judgment is according to truth. Amen? Unlike human courts, unlike hung juries, unlike kangaroo courts, God's court is always going to be a judgment according to truth. And we say, amen, that's good. We like truth, really. You know what that means, don't you? If God judges you according to truth, every lie, every disobedience to your parents, every law broken, every every sinful deed is going to come up for judgment. And the Bible says the soul that sins will die, not just physically, but eternally, spiritually. Number one, I want you to know that God judges according to the good book. According to the good book. 
What does that mean? According to truth. The law is clear. It is the Ten Commandments. And basically the problem is you don't love God and you don't love your neighbor. Revelation 20 verse 12 says the books, this is talking about the last judgment, the books were open. The books were open. What books? There's only one standard of God's righteousness and judgment and it's these books right here. We're sinners. We've broken God's law and God's law is clear. And number two, not only is the law clear, but the judge is omniscient. (laughs) The judge is omniscient. In God's court, there will be no lying lawyers. There will be no witless witnesses. There will be no lawless loopholes. God's omniscient. He doesn't need a witness against you. My friend, if we went to heaven in the judgment and I was in a court and God said, let's call the witnesses and he called my mama, I would be done for. If he called my wife, I would be done for. If he called my children, I'd be done for. If he called my church, we'd be done for. Why? Because we all know that we're sinners. But you can get witnesses to lie, maybe. You can get witnesses to fudge the truth. You can finagle it. You can have all kinds of loopholes to get it. You've watched Law and Order like I have. You know how they do it, but not in God's court. God is, the law is clear and the judge is omniscient. That means he knows all. And the lawmaker is just. The lawmaker is just. He will not be partial. He cannot be bought. He cannot be fooled. He makes no mistakes. I didn't put this one, but the last one is this. He loves righteousness and hates wickedness. But number two, the judgment of God is according to good deeds. The judgment of God is according to good deeds. Christian, now you listen to this. This may shock you to death. But if you go to heaven, you'll go to heaven because of good deeds. Lost person, you go to hell, you'll be judged according to your bad deeds. The next few verses, we have what is called a chiastic structure. It's a poetic structure that the Bible uses. Usually you find it in the Psalms. Look at verse 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Look at verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. It's basically the same thing. God is going to judge according to works. Look at verse 7. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Look at verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first also to the Greek. Basically the same thing. Look at uh, verse 8. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. Look at verse 9. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first also to the Greek. So what he does is he, he has A, then you have B and C, and then he starts over and he does the opposite. C, B, and A. That's what you call a chiastic structure a poetic structure, and that's what it kind of looks like there. It's all over the psalm. The book of Psalms uses it quite a bit. But what is this? What is it? Well, it's just a kind of a tool to see and to emphasize what he's saying. So you know what you ought to do? Listen up. Number one, he will render. 
He will render. What's he going to render? I'm using his words. He will render these things. He's going to render eternal life, glory, honor, and peace. And he's going to render that too. He's going to give that to those who by patient continuance in doing good. In other words, people who continually do good. Oh, what does that mean? That means you're in trouble. By the way, this means good living. If you want an outline, write down good living. People who get eternal life get it through good living. But look at this. Who seek for glory, that's God's lauding, L-A-U-D-I-N-G, lauding or uh, uh, glory. They seek for glory, they seek for honor, that's God's lifting, honoring, and immortality, that's God's land. That's what you get. If you do good deeds, amen, that's what you get. You get good living, uh, brings on uh, seeking glory and honor and immortality. And if you do those things, you focus on those good things, you get eternal life, you get glory, you get honor, and you get peace. And he ends it with verse 10, and to everyone who works what is good. Hmm. But... He will also render indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish. Who's going to get all those things? Well, he's going to render those things to every soul of man who does evil. Are you scared? And if not, why not? Because you are evil. Lying. Disobedience to parents, taking God's name in vain, putting anything in front of God, it's called idolatry, lust or covetousness. And on and on, there's 10 of them. And when you don't do them, let me tell you, we think of evil, we think of Jeffrey Dahmer. We think of Hitler. We think of others. Let me tell you something. The degree doesn't matter, it's still evil. And so he's going to render these things, these tribulation, indignation, and wrath, and anguish on every soul of man that does evil. And number two, who are self-seeking. Oh, there it goes right there, out the door. Everybody in this room, because I know most of you. Self-seeking. That's what we are by nature. Most every sin, I would say, I would go as far as say every sin at its core, its root is selfishness. Selfishness. You, say, you look at lost people out in the world and they do good things and all awesome, but God says their righteousness is as filthy rags. Why? Because of their motives. The motives for doing it is selfishness, not for the glory and love of God. And... And for those who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Now, let's be honest, people. Come on, be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to admit it out loud. Just think of it to yourself. I want you to admit and understand to yourself that you have not obeyed this book all your life. You have not. You have done things contrary to this book. Please, that's what Paul's doing. And my friend, it gets, it gets tedious. It gets tedious. I can't leave a cliffhanger. I've got to tell you what's coming up. But Paul just bites and bites and slashes and slings and, and shows men as being guilty. One, two, three. 
That's the purpose of Paul. He doesn't want to give you a breath. He wants you to cover your mouth. He wants you to tremble in fear. He wants you to cry out as the Philippian jailer, What must I do to be saved? God wants you trembling in your boots. Paul wants you trembling in your boots. He wants the trembling hands to cover the mouth. He wants the jaw to drop the floor. He wants you to look at how wicked and far away from God you truly and really are. He will do this, number three, he will do this without partiality. Without partiality. I know some of you think you're God's gift to this world. God would never judge me. I'm so pretty. I smell so good. I don't know why it is that you think God likes you more than He likes everybody else. I don't know why it is. But He doesn't. He doesn't. There is no partiality with God. And He will in no wise let the wicked go unpunished. To everyone, he says, to everyone. Verse 1 says he's going to give to everyone according to his deeds. Are you willing to do that? Verse 11 says, there is no partiality with God. Verse 12a, the tribes in the deep, dark jungles who never heard the gospel will perish without the law. Without the law. For they are sinners. They would be judged according to... Their sin. Verse 15, 14 and 15 show that they are without excuse as mentioned in chapter 1. Why are they without excuse? They have their conscience and they have creation. And they do not react to that any better than they do the canon of God's word. And verse 12b says, The Jew who, who knew the law, he will be judged by the law. Verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just in his sight, in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. The doers of the law. Here it is again, over and over and over again. Those that do right, do right. Those that do good deeds, good deeds, good deeds. You can't go to heaven if you don't have good deeds. And I mean perfect good deeds. I don't mean some. I don't mean half. I don't mean a third. I mean your deeds, every one of them, have to be good. Say amen. That's what he says. I mean, it's repeating him here. For not the hearers of the law are just in his sight. Just because you've heard preaching, just because you came to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Are you doing what the preacher preached about? Are you doing what the Bible you read about? Are you doing what God said to do? If you're not, you're not justified. Here's the first time Paul uses that word justified. What a wonderful word. It is a judicial word which means declared not guilty. And only those who are not guilty are going to be declared not guilty. The only way a person is declared not guilty is if they meet the legal requirements of innocence. Hearing the law does not make you innocent, but doing the law makes you innocent. Can you see where Paul's going with this? Do you see it? Thirdly and lastly, it is according to the gospel. Let me back up because I'm not doing a very good job of of, of showing you my text. Number one, it's according to the good book. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. But we know the judgment of God is according to truth. That's why I called it the good book. 
All right. Number two, it's according to good deeds. Look at verse six. Look at verse six. Who will render to each one according? See that word? It's according to truth. It's according to his deeds. And then look at verse 16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. I want to tell you something. Paul doesn't stop. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't explain that. But he gives just a little bit of light. Just a little bit of light. It's, not a, it's, a, it's also according to his gospel. And what he does here, he hints at the gospel. Now, have y'all been listening to my sermon? Been pretty negative, hadn't it? I mean, it really gives everybody in this room no hope. Everybody in these pews, if we were just to live in verses two, 1 through 16, we would all be going to hell. And maybe you are. And let me tell you what that's not. It is not gospel. Because the word gospel means good news. It's the Greek word eongelion. It's the word from which we get evangel or evangelize or evangelist. One who goes about spreading good news. And I'm an evangelist. And you say, you're not a very good one. Have you been listening to yourself for the last 30 minutes? You're a terrible gospel preacher. I'm a Pauline gospel preacher because before people can get saved, they must realize how lost they are. Must realize how lost they are. And it is according to my gospel, it says. Now look, he says a few things. Number one, he says, in the day. What day? The day of judgment. In the day when God will judge. Revelation 20 verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead, now listen to me, because that's where we'll be if we don't get this. The dead, those who die in their own sin and have to be judged by their own sin, the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And on the day of judgment, God is going to judge the the great, small, and dead. Those that have died without Christ, He's going to judge them according to their works, according to the books. And that's it. Number two, the day of revelation. It's called the day of revelation there in verse 16. God will judge the secrets of men. Hey, Everybody, whoever's willing to do this, so I'm going to line up right down here. It's not necessarily an invitation, but I want everybody to line up, and I'll give you a chance to pull up it. I want everybody here to come here and tell us your secret sins. What? Nobody? Who's first? Who's first? Nobody? <laughs> Good night, no. It makes me terrified. You know the outright sins that I have. I certainly don't want you to see the thoughts of my mind the intentions of my heart. But God knows. He knows. He knows the thoughts of my mind. He knows the desires of my heart. He knows the desires of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. And He is going to show it at this day of judgment. Oh, evil time. It marches towards inevitable judgment. It's like... R.G. Lee said, The judgment of God have leaden feet and move slowly. But you can be guaranteed the judgment of God has iron hands 
and crushes completely. And it's coming. It's coming. Hmm. It is a day of revelation. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. But notice, lastly though, hallelujah, glory to God, if I was a Pentecostal, I'd speak in tongues. It's also the day of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ is the judge. God has given all judgment to His hands. I should have studied that more and brought out some proof text, but you know it's true. He is the judge. Christ is the judge. He's God. But God gives him that judgment because not only is he the judge, he is the justifier. He is the justifier. Only Jesus can clear the guilt, the guilty. Only Jesus makes what is unrighteous, righteous. You say, Brother Ron, now you've been pointing a finger at me, but I've tried to let you know me too. You know, anytime a preacher points one finger, he's got three pointing right back at him now. You think you're something. I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I know what I am. But more importantly, God knows what I am. And God knows what you are. And you say, well, I'll tell you what, preacher. Why, you think you're going to heaven? I do. Matter of fact, not only do I think I'm going to heaven, I am so arrogant. It's not really arrogance. It's confidence. I know I'm going to heaven. Now, I check myself. I I check my faith, make sure I'm in the faith. I make my calling and election sure, and I watch myself. But I want to tell you something. I can have confidence that I am going to heaven. And you say, Brother Ron, is is he going to judge you differently? No, he's not. God is not going to judge the Christian differently. He's going to look at you, and you know what he's looking for? Good works, righteousness, perfection. You say, Brother On, he'll never find it in you. You're right, but he's going to find it in Jesus. (laughs) Watch out, I'm about to get Pentecostal here. (laughs) He will find it in Jesus. Nothing of my hands. Nothing in my hand. I come and it is nothing that I have done. It is God that saved me. Long and dark the stairs I trod with trembling feet to find my God, gaining a foothold bit by bit and slipping back and losing it, never progressing and striving still with weakening grasp and faltering will, bleeding to climb to God while he serenely smiled, unnoting me. Then came a certain time when I loosed my I hold and I fell thereby down to the lowest step my fall as if I had not climbed at all and lo as I laid despairing there that's where Paul's been trying to get every one of us lo as I laid despairing there listen a footfall on the stair on that same stair where I'm afraid I faltered and fell and laid dismay and lo and hope had ceased to be my God came down the stairs to me. My friend, when God looks at me when I am in judgment and he looks to find righteousness, he's going to find it in me. He's going to find it in me. You say, how in the world? You are a dirty, rotten sinner. You're right. But Jesus came and he applied his blood to me and he gave me his righteousness. And I go to heaven not on my deeds. Oh, I'd never make it. You're never going to make it on your deeds. 
but I'm going to make it on Christ. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's not that he just says, oh, well, you come to me and like some doting little grandfather, he doesn't hug you and say, well, just hide behind me. Let's take those sins you're just sweeping them. No, my friend, God hates your unrighteousness. He hates sin and he demands righteousness. And God is a just God. And he demanded righteousness. Therefore, you say, well, he's God of love. That's right. So therefore, he sent his son to die in your place crucified, slashed, beaten, and spit upon. He took your place. And Jesus died, and he rose again, and he, in in so doing, was able to give you his righteousness. Nobody can be saved unless God saves you. Unless God gives it to you. Unless God brings it to you. His strategy is effective. Get everyone scared witless and show them the way out, the light, the hope, the salvation. But here's the problem you have today. You're not scared enough. Some of you here, well, I'll tell you what, I'm a Baptist. Let me tell you something, being born in a bread box don't make you a biscuit. And if you die with sin... And on your own sinfulness, you will be judged by your own deeds. On judgment day, you will either be declared guilty by your own unrighteous deeds or you will be declared not guilty by Jesus Christ's righteous deeds given to you by His death and resurrection. Come to Jesus. Come to the one who gives righteousness. Righteousness. 